the College Planning Edge. Multiply your odds of getting into your dream college and get your hands on thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships. Brought to you by Lockwood College Prep, helping college-bound families get the edge in college admissions, financial aid, scholarships, and test prep. No waiting. We're live. Woo! All right. Okay. So we're back. Another season of College Talk Tuesday. Welcome to the inaugural, uh, what is this, season 14? Yeah, 15. Four. Yeah. We've been binge watching us. It's still season four. Pearl Nandy Lockwood from Lockwood College Prep. Welcome to the show where we talk about all things college advising, college planning, paying for college, getting into college, why even go to college. Uh, there's been some big changes here in the in the off season. I don't know if you noticed the changes on the set. The uh, I don't notice anybody new. Well, the the North Carolina mascot and the Virginia Tech mascot switched places. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, I really should have noticed that. Yes. So it's been a um, interesting uh, last few months in college planning, thanks to um, Felicity, Lori, um, those guys in Chicago who were downsizing their kids. Right. And um, if you've been on our email list, we've been discussing that um, a lot. So you know, today what we're going to be talking about is, um, and we'll have plenty of time to explore those other crazy things, but today what we're going to be talking about is some timely things, uh, some timely matters that you really need to, to hear about. So um, first of all, for seniors, we're about to go enter into the throes of financial aid season. Uh, in a few, less than a few weeks, the actual applications uh, start coming out, although actually one of them actually is available already. And um, I also want to share, I guess before we do that, just a little tale of woe slash caution slash uh, admissions Armageddon. So I need to be very, I need to tread very lightly here when I tell you this, uh, this story and this, I told you this the other day, I was talking to um, a colleague of ours who's in a different area. Um, he's not a college advisor, but he's in a related field. And I had spoken to him and his, um, his daughters um, a few months ago before they started applying to college. And I said, Hey, you know, here's what I think, you know, let me know um, if you want any help. You know, we have former admissions officers who help with our essays, and it's really a leg up. Uh, it's, an, it's an edge for people who are applying to competitive schools like one of his daughters. So I never heard back from him. You know, we sort of had intermittent contact over the summer, not really because there's really you know no, nothing really going on in, in his business. And then I was talking to him um, last week, and we were um, we were talking about you know so uh, how things work out. And he said, "Oh well." Um, the first, uh, the first daughter, things went really well, and she got into a bunch of schools that she was looking at, which were sort of lower tier, you know, lower to mid tier schools, I would say. Um, in terms of the other daughter, he said, "Well, that did not go so well." So I'm going to give you the short version, but it sounded a lot like going over sixteen, or over sixteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know exactly what went on. Usually when something like that happens, it's because um, parents and kids don't really understand the competition. So we see a lot of really smart kids who are standouts at their particular high school, academically, standardized test-wise, extracurricularly, you name it. But when they, um, when they remove themselves from that 
pool and they step up, you know, to the show, to the to the big leagues, the competition becomes a lot more intense, and they become uh, these kids become a lot less um, unique. They are, you know, in, in a way, a dime a dozen at super elite schools. And we have kids every year, and this year I don't think it's going to be any exception who get into, uh, you know, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, MIT, Penn, yeah. Stanford, Duke, MIT, whatever. Um, and we can usually say with some certainty, okay, I think you have better than a 50-50 shot of getting in here. But to be totally transparent, you know, we also play an active role in saying this is where I think you should use your early decision uh, chit, so yep. to speak. And I don't if, think you should do it here. you use it. Well, I don't think you should do it here because right. you're going from a 10% chance to a 9.9% chance if you go ED, whereas if you're going from a you know here at this lower ID or, or whatever, a 50% chance to a 40%, uh, I'm sorry, to a 60% chance of, of getting it. So that's part of the equation. Also, my, my feeling is that she, my understanding is that she, um, I would say wasted, because there's two sides to the argument, mm -hmm. but she used her early chit um, her one shot at a school that was a crazy reach. And I, you know, the way I just, I have these discussions with families and, and kids is like, listen, there's, there's really two sides to the coin. On one hand, you only get one shot using your early decision. Um, I keep saying chip, but come up with another word, your early decision. Uh, Bite at the apple. Thank you. No. Um, but, but um, uh, so you want to be very, you know, very, very circumspect about, about using that. On the other hand, if your dream school is this one, which admits 5%, and you don't give it your best shot, and you don't use your early decision bite the apple there, are you going to have regrets? So it's a something that has to be balanced. Um, most of the time, the, the guys that, and girls that we work with, they end up using the, the, that early decision um, decision more <laughs> more strategically. Um, but it's it's difficult. The other the other. I, I'm sorry. What I was going to say was, mm -hmm. I, I promise, had she used that early decision at one of the easier schools that rejected her, I, I bet you she, she would have gotten in. That's, I'm just speculating, but that's that would be how I would bet. That is part of the problem. I think, unfortunately, um, one thing we always hear as college planners is that there is too much information out there, and often families get lost in the entanglement of too much information. What information should you rely on? what statistics should you rely on and do you need to sometimes dive a little deeper into some of these statistics that you're relying on to make these early decision decisions or frankly applying to certain schools altogether are you looking at the right statistics and and analyzing it correctly so that you can head your bets properly i think what begs the question in a zero for 16 is that that family did not do that adequately. What do I mean by that? Okay, if you are looking at a statistic of, um, first off, based on, an, and it's our, our, our fun little uh, target every year, but Naviance is the common and familiar program that many high schools use uh, and that kids just get their login into and they it's given to them by the, their school, so it must be reliable, uh, parenthetically. And it's they, limited. It's extremely limited because what it does, if you're not aware, it, it only measures you as against other applicants in your high school. 
across and that's only it. two uh only two factors your grades and your standardized test scores exactly but and admissions you're, you're officers not a, you're not at, applying with only your high school and admissions officers consider 20 or 25 factors some of which is entirely out of your control like race and ethnicity and where you grew up and that type of thing whether your parents went to that school right. whether you're a recruited athlete which is sort of in your control right exactly yeah. so now we all that Naviance ignores all of that, and yet high schools are, are putting it out there for kids to rely on. And if that is what a, a student is solely relying on to determine their likelihood of getting into some of the schools they're applying to, or all of the schools they're applying to, they make they may come up with a zero out of sixteen uh, at best, so to speak. Um, so, how do you dive deeper into that? Well, you know, so, so the shortcoming is that that Naviance. Uh, has as a design flaw are usually um, reinforced by guidance counselors and I'm not mm -hmm. saying it's the best guidance counselors because it's, it's it's sort of a systemic issue it's not an individual guidance counselor right. problem and so you have to look beyond that you have to look at the everyone else who's applying uh, you know we, we look at everyone else who applied last year and compare right. our kids with that and it has to be across a number of factors including the 40 percent that is non-academic 60% is academic, 40% is not. Getting into college is not a pure meritocracy. That's exactly what happened with um, with this person that, right. that we've been mentioning. And it was unfortunate, and she was crushed, and she, you know, uh, she wore so, I mean, she probably wrote like 50 I'm essays. Sure did, yeah, yeah I, I, that's what I was saying to her dad. I was like, I really can't uh, fathom how disappointed she, she must have been. But I'm thinking to myself, God, I wish we had spoken in the middle of this because I would have helped avoid we this or at least set your expectations much of the grief. set your expectations yeah so um but that's what you have to do you have to you have to understand how the rules of the game work not just what that's you, right what the narrow sliver that you've been told by uh, by your guidance counselor so. right and then it, you know it's numbers and statistics feel by virtue of their being published that they're reliable um another area this really comes up i don't know if it's really the same thing but with an early an early decision statistic. A school will promulgate its early decision admissions rate. Did you say promulgate? Yes. Okay. Um, it's going to be that type of season, And folks. if you are, if you're a student looking at that statistic and trying to determine your likelihood of admissions if you apply early decision, and let's just say you, that student, falls at the bottom echelon of that early decision admission statistic, what that student could be failing to observe, acknowledge, and factor in with that is that often a large population of the early decision admission candidates, the ones who get yes, are pre-selected for non-academic reasons Specifically, they're a recruited athlete. They have a spot on that team. And so the head of that team, the coach says, if you want that spot, it is yours. Parenthetically, who has maybe lower grades and scores than the average kid who is going to that school. But if you you're going to get that spot, that you need to apply early decision. Athletes out there, parents of athletes, Listen. they're often dictated you need to apply early decisions so that you can have that claim that spot that we are offering to you if you have something you want to put and, me down with just don't be don't or beat if around you the bush. are a recruited musician or okay. a recruited something that is a non-academic reason you're still that human being who has perhaps potentially 
lower grades and scores than if you don't have that something non-academic that's getting you in otherwise. And if you are that person, that student who doesn't have, is not the recruited athlete and you are looking at that statistic, don't forget who else is averaged in there and you may be coming up real short and, and, and sorry with your admissions results. Hello to Robin, who is watching Robin Silver Grace, and our neighbor, Amy Salvatore. Hi. I saw Walter uh, <laughs> walking the dog the other night. I didn't recognize that long hair. Oh, some kind of hippie, throwback. Some kind of hippie thing going All on right. over there. I'm not sure. Um, so, so welcome. If anyone has any comments or suggestions, just or pop questions. them right here. Yeah, pop them right here in, in the chat. Um, I think you have to allow our streaming software, StreamYard, to publish that, and then we can we can do that. So um, anyway, so so the the moral I guess is that um, you can't be myopic when you're applying to colleges. You have to understand the the who you're competing with, and um, you're not necessarily going to get a complete picture from the tools you might have at your high school. Um, this this guy I'm mentioning, mm -hmm. um, uh, both kids went to private schools. Was paying tuition and expecting. So they paid you know, for that excellent well, advice. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and they. That's not. I don't want no, to bash it's, anyone. It's a shame. No, I don't want to. Right, I don't. I, I really feel bad because she's a great kid, mm -hmm. uh, and I can only imagine what it's like to write fifty essays and then go over sixteen. But we hear stuff like this so much, and, and it's avoidable. Easily avoidable. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about something else that's avoidable, which is blowing your um, your financial aid application deadlines. I'm not talking about admissions deadlines which are coming up. Many schools have early action, early decision deadlines that tend to be November 1, November 15th, December 1st. Some, like University of North Carolina, has an early action deadline to apply on October 15th. Yes. And we're going to talk not about the application to get into college uh, deadlines, but the financial aid priority deadlines, which get overlooked so frequently. Yes. It's, it's not even funny. And uh, the reason is because I think families and kids are so focused on getting into the schools, the the financial aid aspect of it is an is an extra uh, an afterthought sometimes. So I want to ask you a couple of questions, but just sure. just to sort of frame this, right? So the first, the well, first, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. I just we have ten minutes okay. here. So so I'm about to frame it. Okay. Framing. Frame. Okay. Frame. Will you? Well, okay. Rome wasn't framed in a day. So. A lot of people say, well, why should I even bother applying? And the answer has become um, very widely publicly uh, uh, widespread, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, as of a couple of weeks ago, there's a big article that I recommend everyone read in the New York Times education section. It was a couple of Sundays ago. And the, the gist of it was that it followed an admissions officer at Loyal listener Robin Silver Grace's alma mater, Trinity College. Robin, I forwarded that to you, but you never got back to me. Whatever. <laughs> and um, the the uh, the gist of it was how colleges have these dual agendas, and and tr this guy was brought in to head admissions at Trinity in order to recruit um, low income, disadvantaged youth. But at the same time, Trinity, like virtually every college, is a business and needs to pay its bills. So they outsourced enrollment management. Uh, an enrollment management firm, which is sort of like a big data, money ball, you know, policy wonky type group of data analysts who were able to, um, they, they, what they do is they help colleges uh, finalize 
their list of kids that they want to admit. So every day at the, while they're trying to, uh, in admissions, at Trinity, when they're trying to cut their list, they would then at the end of the day send the list off to the enrollment management firm, and then the next day they would come back, and the enrollment management firm would go down the list and be like, okay, these people are from an upper middle class um, area. You know, they make you know half a million dollars a year. So if you offer them fifteen thousand dollars, they're going to be able to pay the rest, and hopefully they should uh, come and then become loyal um, supporters and alumni and donors and all that. And that's what every college needs. And and then the flip side was everyone that the enrollment management firm cut were the low income people. So it's so it's very hard for colleges to accomplish both um, important agendas. But that's how it works. But they're looking at both. They're looking at both. Right. So that's a reason why if you have financial strength, it'll not only help your kid get in right. to most colleges, but actually indirectly might help you get money, which is very counterintuitive. But this strange. is but this right. is why. Right. This is why it works. So right. anyway, mm-hmm. you have to get everything done accurately and on and on time. So give us like a five minute blurb on when when are the deadlines to file. Right. And what and then we'll talk about some mistakes and then we'll wrap up. Of course, if you are need based eligible uh, because of your financial metrics, you certainly don't want to give any financial aid officer a reason to not give you what you are maybe entitled to um, by being late. So priority financial aid deadlines can be the same as an application deadline, but often they are not. So they are two distinct timeframes, maybe. Um, how, what your priority financial aid deadline will be is determined by how you are applying to that school. If you're applying early action, you will have one priority financial aid deadline. If you're applying regular decision to the same school, you will have a different priority financial aid deadline. In either case, as soon as you know you are applying to a school and you are ready with everything you need and your financial aid information is all set and you're ready to go, you should submit them. They, you should get them in the earlier, the better, uh, but you certainly don't want to be late. How, what is the best, where is the best place to find out what the deadline is? The school itself, the school's own website. Don't rely on last year. Make sure you're looking at current information because every year it could, and sometimes and often does change. One year, a school can just require a FAFSA. And if you rely on that and just, you know, do just go for it, you may learn, later learn, and be sorry that this year they are requiring both the FAFSA and the CSS profile, which is an alternative, a diff- another form. A, some schools require one form, the FAFSA, and that determines your financial eligibility for federal aid. And then there's a second form that many schools also require called the CSS profile. And that determines institution aid at a particular school that is asking for it. It's not up to you, the candidate, the school decides. So if you're applying to a certain school, if they require both forms, you need to, and you want money, you need to submit both of these forms. But again, you have to pay attention to this year, and the aid year we're talking about is the one that's going to be 2020-21. It feels counterintuitive because of where we are in the calendar. We're only in 2019, but the aid year that is about to ensue on October 1st um, is the aid year for aid that will be given in 
2020 to 21, which is next fall. If you're playing early to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, is your deadline March 1st? No, it is not. Why? Because it is not, and you're going to be late, and if you need aid, you're going to be shut out, possibly. Domenica, that was for you, because um, it Maddie, is, it is, Maddie it looked is it up. It is October 15th. Maddie looked it up. I even looked at it again quickly. I was like, yeah, I guess Maddie's right. It's, Mar it's March 1st, and then Pearl's like, no. It's I'm, October 15th. Yeah. It is the only school Sheesh. I'm aware of right now that has a priority financial aid deadline in the month of October. But it is. <laughs> so the forms aren't due October 1st? No, they're not due October 1st. They first become released October 1st. And here's another thing. Uh, I know that we have uh, gotten questions about, um, oh, it's due October 1st, something that's due October 1st. And yeah, the, the bad that. news about that is for people who think that's true and have already rushed and done their FAFSA, which you can get online and do a FAFSA, but what you will be doing if you do that right now before October 1st is applying for aid for the year that we're currently in, meaning the school year that has just begun. Meaning and if you have a senior year. in high school yeah. and you, they're, in college. You're, you're not, they're not in college yet. So you will have submitted a FAFSA that isn't going to do anything for you when your student starts college next fall. We haven't gotten that question yet. Right, but we will. Well, we have. Like last, I'm looking year, at it. Year. I am looking at it kind of like a back door. We've been asked because a lot of people have said like it's due October first. It's not due October first. That implies that we will be working on them and submitting them before October first. No way, because it will be for the wrong aid year. So they got, become available October first, and at that point, we will begin filing our clients' financial aid forms for the year that begins fall 2020 and spring, summer 2021. And right. that is how the eight year runs. What I meant was we haven't gotten the questions about, well, I already filed the FAFSA, I'm done. Oh, not, not we yet, every but year. we always do. Yeah. Well, and we're like, to, no, you didn't. Yeah, I'm about to do a whole bunch of workshops. Right. And, and I'm doing one tonight, actually. And um, we'll see if we get that question. But I've had arguments with people. I'm like, no, I already filed it. I'm like, no, you can't because it's not available yet. And then invariably, they file the previous years without knowing it. Right. And this goes back to the fact that we're saying there's a lot of information out there and people don't know exactly what is the thing to rely on, what's true, what's not. And we certainly try to clear the cobwebs for you. If you have questions about all of this, please, you know, don't don't put the wrong foot forward and do it wrong. It is very it's a very costly mistake, potentially. Um, I recommend that you are just have an awareness that there are a lot of moving parts in this process, both financial aid process, application process, lots of different deadlines, lots of different things required by different schools. That's the other unfortunate or just fact of this process. There is no uniformity in the process. One school may ask for a plethora of information regarding your finances and documents and what have you. And then another school may not ask for anything past the submission of the financial aid forms. And that is not to then send you on a mental uh, uh, path of, oh my gosh, one school likes me more, the other school hasn't asked me for anything. It just means they have different processes and different that's all there is to it. But it's important that you keep everything organized and keep ahead of what is a very fast-moving, convoluted, busy process. Thank you.
Okay. Well, on that note, we're going to sign off. Thanks for watching College Talk Tuesday, season 14 <laughs> or 4. We don't really keep track. But this is the first one for this calendar year, calendar year 2019-2020. Uh, and if you have any questions, if you have someone who's graduating 2020 they haven't quite done their applications or essays yet, or you have anxiety about the financial aid process, uh, you can certainly check us out on our website, lockwoodcollegeprep.com. You can also um, shoot us a message right here. And it usually takes us a couple of days to get back. Um, so you, you might be better off going on our website. Um, but either way, we are here to help you. And if you want you know, our, our services, we are Pearl still taking on for the time being um, people to do financial aid forms and consulting. So, um, so feel free to reach out. Okay. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Andy Lockwood. Don't forget to visit our website, lockwoodcollegeprep.com, for some more free, valuable information on how you can multiply your chances of admission to your dream colleges and qualify for thousands or tens of thousands of dollars of fat, juicy scholarships along the way. Visit lockwoodcollegeprep.com for information on our free upcoming workshops and webinars and to download a copy of our number one best-selling book, How to Pay Wholesale for College. That's LockwoodCollegePrep.com. Bye-bye.